0: Welcome tonight, kids. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, welcome. So, 2008, brand new year. I'm gonna start every single message for the next three months. 2008, brand new year. What do you think? Every time. 2008, brand new year. Yep, every time. Every time it's your responsibility to yell just like that. Ready? 2008, brand a new year. Every, every single time, we'll do it just like that. And Greg slow claps afterwards, just keeps on going. All right, so welcome tonight. Welcome to a new year. Uh, some of you guys weren't here last week. Cool, you get to be part this week. This week is even more important because tonight we are talking about vision and we are expounding on what we talked about, our vision from last week for this entire next year. Last week we talked all about the previous year, 2007, what we accomplished, what we did, um, our vision word for last year, love, how we accomplished that word. Um, What did we do? What did we see happen? Uh, The biggest thing, for you guys who weren't here last week, like out of the group here that's, that's here right now, only like seven or eight people were here a year ago who wrote down, their visions. It's crazy how many new people have come into this ministry in just this past year. God has blessed it, and he's pouring out his spirit in this place. So in 2008, we need this this brand new vision. Vision can never be the same. It's got to always be changing. It's got to always be new, um, and we started talking about it last week. So for you guys who weren't here, and for you guys who were here again, I introduced to you our vision word for 2008, which is simply move. That is our vision word, grasp a hold of it. I said last week, and I'll repeat them again because I think they're beautiful little statements about move, it's a word that's simple, yet very complex, small, yet very, very deep when you look into this word. Um, It can be looked at extremely surface, but as you delve into uh, what this word can stand for, what it can mean, it can mean so many things and it can accomplish so much. That's kind of what we're taking it as. Um, I told you, I want you, this, I want you to make this word uh, your focus. When we're a team, when we're a ministry, okay, um, we're all one big team. And there's this old saying, and I think I've told you guys before too, that basically, um, you know, like what makes a team, and it's like all about teamwork and stuff like that. And I always said I completely disagree, okay. The performance of a team is not evaluated by how well... They have teamwork. That helps a lot. But do you know what makes a really good team? Really good teammates. Okay? I don't care if you took and you put all of the best NFL stars on a team and you made them all play silently and they couldn't talk to each other and then you took a junior tackle team and gave them every advantage in the book, when you set them up on a field, the NFL team would just cream these little kids. Why? Because each and every one of those players are very strong, very focused. They know what their goals are. They know how to play. Without even communicating, they already know what the play is. They know what to do. They're stronger and they're faster. What makes a great team? Great teammates. What makes a great ministry? Great individuals in the ministry. So when I give you this, I don't give you move as... This is, the, this is what we need to think of one time a week when we get together here. What I'm telling you is when I talk about MOVE is that the way it's going to work is if you adopt this as your personal vision word for 2008. Not just steadfast, not just when you're here, but for this next year you say, for my own personal life, MOVE is going to be my word for 2008. It's going to be the word that I tattoo on my soul and the word that comes back to me in the middle of the night and the word that comes back to me during the middle of my day. It's going to be what I walk through and what I work in this entire next year. That's how it's going to work. That's how it's actually going to accomplish something. So move, what does this mean? Like I said, it's extremely simple, but here it is, to move. To not be in the same place anymore. That's all that moving means. It means that you're not going to be stationary and still anymore. Just even a little bit of a nudge is moving. A great big leap is moving, not being in the same place anymore, no longer staying still. To change where you are, to no longer be in the same spot. Here's the deal God is a moving God, the God that we serve. He is not a stationary, he is not a still, he is not a sedimentary God. He's a moving God. A lot of people have this view um, that's been kind of brought by the world that God basically sits on a throne, and that's all he does. He just chills there, and he lets the whole world pass by, and he just basically sits on his throne, and he just kind of waits, kind of puts up his feet, and that's basically his plan. He just chills there and doesn't really do much, just kind of puts his hand. You you know the, uh, was it Al Bundy or like that? Has a hand in his pants watching the football game, just basically chilling there. Letting the world play out. He's stationary. And this is completely against what I see when I read the Bible. Completely against what God's character is. Because God is a moving God. As I read through the Old Testament and read of God the Father, I see a God of movement. He created. He destroyed. He talked to his people. He led and moved huge numbers of his followers from one place to another. As they moved, he took and at night... He put a burning pillar of fire that represented his spirit. And, at, and in, during the day, there was basically a cloud that they followed as well. And he would move and they would follow them. He was a moving God, taking them with him. He instigated countless wars amongst people, saying, Go and destroy, kill, weed people out because this is your land. He was a moving God. And he caused just, I mean, tremendous actions to happen. He parted the Red Sea. I mean, he flooded the earth. These are movements. He didn't just sit still, but he did a ton of crazy things. He had prophets that he spoke to, that he worked through, that he told to do insane things for him to prove that he was God. He wasn't just okay with just being still. In the New Testament, I see Christ incarnate. Basically, all of God's spirit poured into a man. He walked and he traveled. He healed people countless times. He taught people every single day. It talks about coming across a a lake and he's tired and he just feels like laying down and sleeping. But as he gets off the boat, there are already countless numbers waiting. And even though he's tired and exhausted, he stands up and he teaches again and again and again because people need to hear it. He moved. He wouldn't just stay the same. He had to change with kind of what was going on. As he went through his, his calling, these few years of ministry here on earth, He was constantly moving, constantly teaching and working. Um, He made promises, and he fulfilled them here on earth. He died, he resurrected, the whole entire salvation story of Jesus Christ coming and paying for our sins by dying on the cross. He was a moving God. In the New and the Old Testament, I see the Holy Spirit, and he moves in ways that maybe we don't see a lot, but he moved constantly. He moved amongst believers. He changed hearts. Um, he poured out in Acts to, in, the, in the Acts church in what they say is tongues of fire, and people began to speak in different unknown languages. The Spirit poured out where people could actually feel God's Spirit. He was moving. He wasn't just okay with being the same. Um, as it went on through the New Testament, we saw I a mean, countless number of people being healed through the Spirit. It said the Spirit fell so heavy on Paul that, Cloths that had touched his body were being passed around and the Spirit was with it and was healing people. Just a cloak that he had worn was being taken by people and put on people and they were being healed because the Spirit was moving through that because he wasn't stationary. He was moving. God is a God of movement. He is active and he is not pleased with stillness. Not in the least bit. God is the most creative and moving force in the universe. He is the very center, the very beginning of all movement and all creation. He's the one that started it all. He's the one who invented movement. Okay? God's the very start. He's ridiculously creative. Everything that we see and everything that we can possibly imagine was brought out of his mind. All the crazy, beautiful things that we see in nature, everything that we've come up with as man, where do you think those ideas stemmed from? God inside of us. It all came from God, from his creative spirit. We absolutely have to move. He says things like this in Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, he wasn't talking about staying still in, his, in your relationship with him. He wasn't talking about, you know, therefore, stand and stand, and wait, and pause. No, what words did he use? He used words like, like running. He talked about a race. He talked about perseverance, about this movement. Basically, God is saying that you can't just be this, this lame person who just stands around, but you have to be running. There's, he has all these things marked out for us, this tremendous amount of movement in our life. And he's telling people, you have to get going. He wasn't just telling people to move, but he was telling them, to move faster. Take off all the extra weight so you can just rock it. He absolutely wants movement. He wants extreme movement. He expects us to move on a daily basis. The God that I know is a changing God. He's no longer the same. Every single day, he's something new. You cannot tell me that you are going to be the same person tomorrow as you are today. And please don't ever tell me that you're going to be the same person tomorrow as you were yesterday. Because that's an offense if you say that you're a Christian. Are you listening to me? Everyone who's out here, actually listen to me. Actually connect eyes with me. I say that if you're a Christian and you say that you're the same yesterday as you are tomorrow, you're offensive to God's eyes. Because if you say that you're the same yesterday and tomorrow, that means that you're not changing and you're not doing what God wants for you because God is a changing God. Every day, you should change a little for God. Every day, you should be moving towards a goal Every day, you should not be the same person that you were yesterday, but a new person all over again, working towards those goals. That's what God has for your life. Like I said, don't ever tell me that because I'll smack you around. He wants movement. He wants action. You cannot stay the same or you will die. That's what happens when you stay still. You guys ever hear about sharks? They always say that sharks, if you hold them still for too long, they die. They need to move to breathe. Have you ever heard that? I don't honestly know if it's true or not, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> it might be an old wives' tale, but I've always heard, and this is what I've always heard, is that sharks have to move in order to breathe, that they can't stay still. Pi, Ken, you could throw back knowledge at this at me. I heard that basically sharks have to be moving in some sort of formation in order for them to breathe. If they were held perfectly still, they would suffocate because they have to move water past their gills. Basically saying the fact that we can't just stay still. If you stay still, you die. You'll die. You can't do that. God loves movement. But if he loves movement, that means he absolutely hates when you don't move. Because God is a God of extremes. You ever hear words God says like, If you're not with me, you're against me? God doesn't deal in black and white I mean in grace. He deals always in black and whites. It's either this or it's this. It's one direction or the other. North, south, east, west. There's nothing in between. So if he loves movement, he hates stillness. Let me prove this to you. I want you guys to turn to Matthew 25. And I'm going to read this to you out of my translation that I'm hip to right now, the message. And um, if you read it in the NIV, it's called the parable of the talents. And this is a story that Jesus Christ told while he was here on earth. Go ahead and get there, and I'll read it to you. You can follow along. be a little different, because I'm reading the message. It says this. It's also like a man going off for an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000. To another, 2000 To a third, 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the masters of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given five thousand dollars showed him he had doubled the investment. His master commended him good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the two thousand showed um, how he had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant, given 1,000, said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. So the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did, you do the, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest a sum with the bankers, where at least I'd have gotten a little bit of interest. And says this, Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this, play it safe, who didn't go out on a limb. Throw him out into the utter darkness. God hates, hates stillness. He can't stand it. It makes him sick. It says that not only was he so proud when he come back, and these men moved with his investment. He moved with this money, which is the same thing God gave all of us. God gave all of us talents. He gave all of us abilities. He gave all of us life that we can spend forward. And when he comes back, when we do this and we actually make usage of it, he says, wow, you did a really good job. I love your movement. And he said, be my partner. Come work with me even closer. Talks about in the old, in, the, uh, in like NIV translation, it talks about the fact that you've been trusted with little, now be trusted with a great number because you've proven that you can do this. But when he looks at this man who did nothing, who stayed still, he was absolutely furious. This is a picture of God. And he said, the least you could have done was at least invest my money in a bank where I could have made something. But instead, you did even less than the least. You just held on to it and wasted it. You didn't even use it for the least of what you could have done. And what I love about this translation is it proves God's hatred for stillness because not only did he just berate this man, but he said, what you had isn't even yours anymore. I'm taking away everything I gave you because you've proven that you're not even worth the gifts that I've given you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to plug it from you and give it to this one that proves that he, he deserves it. That's exactly what God's saying about our lives. He hates when we are still. It makes him so furious because he gave us all these gifts and abilities, all these things that we can do and accomplish for him. And when he comes back and he sees that you did nothing, it makes him so mad. He says, well, then why did I even give you those things? I might as well take them away and give them to someone who's actually going to make usage of them. It's frightening, isn't it? We're not supposed to be still. I've prayed this prayer myself, and it's a selfish one, and I'm not afraid to pray it. There's been times before where I've prayed to God, and I said, You know what, God? Just like this story, I'm working, and I'm trying to take the investment you give me, and I'm trying to turn a good profit. And those that aren't, I pray that you steal away. You steal away what you gave to them and give it to me. That's biblical. Those people who waste what God gives them don't deserve it. But if you're going to invest it, God's going to take it away from them and say, then you take it and you run with it. You prove you're good, God's going to pull away from those people who just basically let him down over and over again, and he's going to put it in your lap. Say, you've ran with it so far, I know that I can trust you when I give you an investment. You're going to take it and multiply it. That when you become that person, that there's so many people who are failures, who are not going to account and not going to live up to what God wants for them, and God's going to pull it away from you and put it in your lap and say, now you take it and you run with it because I know I can trust you. God hates stillness. He loves movement. Absolutely loves it. Understand this and live by it, the fact that you absolutely have to move. You cannot stay still, and you especially can't stay still and stay in God's will. It's impossible. But how is it that we're going to move? How is it just some some basic, some bare bones ideas of how can I move? I understand you're telling me that I need to do this movement, but what does that even mean in this new year? We have a question and answer thing afterwards I want to get to. But just talking here, there's a few small areas we can do this. First of all, you need to move in your personal devotion. Never staying put and always going forward. You need to get closer to God in that path towards what God has for you and learning more about him, saying that I'm not going to be here tomorrow, but tomorrow I'm going to be one step closer. And the next day, maybe a leap closer. And the next day, maybe I'll be in a sprint. I told you last week about the whole entire idea of ministry being a locomotive that it slowly gains steam. And thinking that same path for you as you think about your own personal devotion of every day gaining steam, getting faster, getting stronger towards what God has for you, the knowledge between you two. Read more of his word on a daily basis. Make a point of it. Get in it. Don't let it slip your mind. Move. Don't be still. How about this one? Begin tithing and giving money to break free from the hole it has on your life. That's a hard one. We've talked about tithing in the past, and I completely believe that it's scriptural. Um, It's awesome to give give God money. It's awesome to move in your finances because you know what? You're proving that God can trust you. Just like I said, God trusted you with all this money. When you say, you know what? I'm not going to take and spend it on all of me and be lame with it, but instead I'm going to give it to you so that kids halfway around the world can eat, sleep, and learn about you, Christ. You know what God says? you've done well, become my partner. And he gives you more. And he takes away from those who waste money and says, you know what, I know that I can trust you because you actually have my heart, that you're willing to give that away. Move in all these personal areas of your life. When you think that God's telling you direction, man, move on it. Don't be still, don't wait, don't take little baby steps, but move. Also in ministry service, find a place where you can work. I've been in the church for a while now. And uh, I've done ministry for a while. I will tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you want to grow closer to God, begin to do ministry. Jesus Christ came on this earth, right? And one of the biggest commands he gave people was basically, he said, do as I do. Follow me. Paul later on told people, do as I do, because I do as Christ did. Kind of that same thing down again. I'm sure probably Peter and different people who followed him probably said, do as I do because I did as Paul did and Paul did as Christ did. Follow my example. And then it keeps on going down and down and down. And I tell you guys, do as I did because what I did is I followed those examples and began to live like Jesus where what it is is it's not about yourself but it's about others. If you spend your whole time focusing on how do I get fatter spiritually, how do I learn more about God, how do I become a better Christian, you'll get there, but not nearly as fast as worrying about how other people are going to get there. If you stop worrying solely about how you're going to get closer to God and start worrying about how others are going to get closer to God, you'll get there even faster. Because that's Christ's spirit. Christ didn't come here to exalt himself. Everyone thought Christ would come and he'd be this king that everyone would look up to, but instead he'd come as just basically a pauper. And the whole reason he was here was to tell everyone and to basically make sure everyone else got it. It wasn't about him one bit. It was about everyone else. Begin to do ministry. Find places where you can work. Ministry is absolutely the coolest thing in the world. I don't care what job you're ever going to get, you do ministry, it's better. Telling someone about Jesus Christ is better. Any of you guys, I know some people in here, you guys have amazingly bright futures. You're going to get to some awesome job someday, and it's going to be exciting. But I tell you, it's never going to be as exciting when you lead someone to Christ. Never. It's the most exciting thing in the world. Absolutely the most exciting thing in the world. Like I said, it'll help you grow. Um, There is so much ministry to be done in this world, it's ridiculous. There is so much ministry to be done in this small little group. In this church, in our surrounding church areas, in this community, there is so much ministry to be done that isn't even being accomplished because nobody will. And basically, we're sitting around with our hands in our pockets wondering what are we going to do, how are we going to get closer to God when it's this simple. People move and become part of ministry, and they will grow closer to God. You want to start moving? Begin starting to do ministry. Ministry will make you move. Remember our vision for Steadfast that I talked about, this locomotive, that ministry basically depends on all of us giving of ourselves to it in order to propel forward, to to save more souls, to bring more people into Christ. We need to be like like that that coal or that wood that gets shoveled into that locomotive to propel it forward. Seriously, you want to start moving, start doing ministry. Start right here, start small when Jesus Christ sent out his servants across the whole world, he said basically, go out into the ends of the world, but then right after he said, but start right here. You don't have to take and go all the way across the seas to start doing ministry. It's as simple as when tonight finishes, you pick up the sodas that are left on top of the tables and you throw them away. You say, is there anything I can do to help? Can I stack these chairs? Because that's ministry. It's working for other people instead of yourself giving of yourself, and you start doing that, and you start feeling Christ's character. You'll start to move. Third thing is move in witnessing opportunities. Man, that's one I want you to grab a hold of for this next year, because that's personal. We have times in our own groups here, but each and every one of us, probably, I bet you, even on awesome nights that we have here, Each of you in your daily lives have way more people than you meet here that need to know about Jesus Christ, that you have the opportunity to witness to. No more standing still. I told you to etch move onto your heart, to make it be a reoccurring theme in your brain. Have you ever had that feeling? I think you probably have, because I have. Where you see somebody or a friend or a situation presents itself and you know you're supposed to say something. You feel like, man, I should really just say something right now. If I could just, if I could just say something just profound or simple right now, just it, I should really just say something about Christ, about, about church, about my own relationship. And you just stand there, and you stay still, and the opportunity passes, and nothing happens. You have to move. You absolutely have to move. Because... In all those situations, there's always a too late. And if you don't move, that too late's going to happen every single time. You'll live a whole life of too lates, and it'll be lame. You have to move. If you put that in your heart, when that situation comes, the fear will come, but then right on top of it is the fact that you've put in your spirit, move. And you're not going to stay still, and you'll step out. Say what you need to say. Put out to them the facts that need to be put out to them. Maybe right now, uh, some of you guys said, I've never even witnessed anybody. Move. Start. Begin. You have to start moving. Um, No more waiting until it's too late. Like I said, um, there's so many different situations that you're in. Here's a few, okay? You're walking through the hall at school, and there's a person sitting there. As you walk by, you feel the Spirit say, you know, you should really just say hi to them, talk to them. But instead, you walk by because you're busy. Move. Step outside of yourself and move and go talk to them. You sit in class, and across from you sits tons of different people next to you, beside you, in groups that you work in, that you have never, ever talked about Jesus Christ, about your own personal life, about your Savior. Move. Speak. Talk. Say it. How about when you're in a restaurant and you have the ability to talk to just complete strangers? Or how about your waiter that comes up? and starts talking to you. Why don't you move and ask them, do you know anything about Jesus Christ? Have you ever been told the true story of Jesus Christ? There are so many opportunities. How about with all of your coworkers in all your jobs? Because those situations come, but instead you let the too late come. Move and say what you need to. Be who you need to be. Don't let those situations pass you by anymore. There are so many people in our path every day. Just like this money that God gave to these men, God put people in every single one of our lives. And to some he might have put 3000, to some he might have put 2000, and to some he might have put 1000. But the whole thing is is that you're supposed to take those and you're supposed to work with them. All those people that you know are your your money to be invested, your work to be done. And I'm telling you if you're not telling them, God's angry just like that man who buried that thousand. He's going to say, the least you could have done was just mention me, but you didn't even do that. And he says, why should I even give you these people? Because you're lame. You're not going to do it. Don't make God mad. Start to move. Souls depend on you moving in this situation. Those times of awkwardness, all those weird weird butterflies that you get in your stomach right before it happens, all those times where you get the nervous sweats and you think, I'm going to be looked at like a moron, All that is easily tradable for someone going to heaven. Easily tradable to know that one more person gets to spend eternity with Christ instead of eternity in hell. Move. Fourth thing is this move in God's plan. Every single one of us have a plan in our life, every single one of us have a God plan in our life. God is not a God of chaos, He is a God of order. I said before that I think that every single person put on this earth has been given goals that no one else can achieve. I believe that every single one of us in this room have been giving a goal that is ours and ours alone to do for God. Move. Move and go towards that plan. Don't feel like you're just going to stay still. Because the there's, you know, there's so many people who God starts to reveal a plan for them, but they're so afraid to even take one step. They see this far, but instead of moving towards it, they're going to wait because they want to be able to see all the way down the road, around the corner, past the buildings, and into the sunset at the end. But that isn't how it works. God starts to give you a plan, and you have to move on it. God starts to tell you that you need to go in this direction. Start walking in that direction. God tells you that he wants you to take this certain path. Start doing the things that lead to that path. Start moving in them. If you feel God leading you in a direction, passions and loves in your life, begin to delve into them. Don't let them go to waste. Because I believe that God puts those things in our lives for a purpose. Our passions, our goals in life, God puts those in us. Don't let them just slip by. Don't stand still, but pursue them actively. Move in the direction that God is showing you and move forcefully. Don't walk all slow and scared. That's what people do. They start to see a direction, and they'll think just kind of take one little step at a time, right? And that's cool. You're still moving in God's path, but I think we can be so much more awesome than that, is saying, God, I've seen this far, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to run all the way to what you've shown me. Accomplish all of that, and if I have to stop and wait for you to show me something else, I will. But you know what's awesome? God won't do that. God understands that time is short. God lives outside of time. But he realizes the fact that all of our lives are like a vapor. They're gone in an instant. So if we don't get moving, nothing's going to be accomplished out of them. So when we start moving and God gives us this plan and we run up and we accomplish it, right when we come up to the end of that plan, God's going to extend it. And he's going to say, keep up the pace. That's how God works. God does not fall short on vision. God does not fall short on movement. He always has more for us. He always has faster. He always has longer. He always has harder. The incline becomes steeper. The air becomes thinner. But he always has movement for us. He always has that next step. Always. He is a God of movement. If you feel God leading you in a direction, move. So 2008, move. Put this on your heart. Move. No more still. Like I said, God is a moving God. Become like Him. Um, Before us, and even in our generation, we have seen a whole multitude of Christians who are the still Christians. We've seen just a multitude of them. Our parents, our grandparents, um, people even in our generation who say they love Christ, but they are a still generation. That just makes God sick. It makes God angry. God is a God of movement. Let's be different. Let's actually start to move in what God has for us. We're going to do something different. We're going to do something better. The people who stayed still, it's quite simple. They got bad results. They got a slap on the wrist, and they got their gifts taken away from them. Just like it says in the Bible. You stay still. God basically said, you're lame. You don't deserve what I give you. Pulls it away from him and gives it to someone else. We're the generation that's going to achieve what they didn't. God pulled away from the generations before us, like our parents and even those just a little older than us that stayed still. He took their talents, their gifts, their abilities, yanked them away from them and said, you guys are lambs." and he put, us, he put them in our hands. Because we're going to prove the fact that we can be trusted with God's investment. We're going to prove the fact that we can take all of what God gives us and we can double it and we can make him proud. He says, become my partner we're the ones that receive that and we're the ones who are going to achieve that now there's a tremendous gaping flaw in this message that I just gave you do you know what it is a tremendous gaping flaw in this whole message that I've just told you the problem is is that i'm just talking all i'm doing is talking right now they're just words They might have communicated spirit. They might have communicated an idea to you. But there's a big flaw in what I just did because all I did was talk. And talk is so cheap. I just told you guys a lot, but that doesn't mean anything. You cannot just say that you are going to move. You can't just say that you're going to do something. God's not impressed by words at all. I can't stand and talk about how we need to move, how we need to follow um, Christ's action because he's coming back soon um, and not do anything about it because I'm no better than that man who buried his change in the ground. I'm no better. We can't just talk about it. Um, I want to read you something real quick. It's from James. You guys can write it down or look it up either way. It's from James 2, 14 through 19. And I want to read it to you in the message. It says this, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half clothed, half starved and say, Good morning. Friend, be clothed in Christ. Be filled in the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, Sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from faith than I can show you my faith apart from works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two, And not end up with a corpse on your hands. What James is saying in this is he's basically saying, faith and works, works and faith. God is speaking through James to say this. You ever heard an old saying called put up or shut up? That's what God is saying. He issued a big old put up or shut up to everyone who said they believe in him. You say you're a Christian, put up or shut up, because I'm not a God of talking. I'm not a God of saying that I'm going to do something and not doing anything about it. Are you listening? Everyone, are you actually paying attention? God's saying to you right now, put up or shut up. No more talk. Either you're going to say it and do it or don't even bother saying it at all because it just makes me want to puke. It makes God angry. makes God absolutely angry. You can't do that. Words in itself is not enough. This message in itself, me telling you about this, is not enough. If I don't prove to you and model to you what move is over this next year, I fail. I am no better than that person who buried their 1,000. The words mean nothing. Until I prove to you, until we all prove that we are actually going to move, it makes no difference. Absolutely none. So 2008 is move, it has to be move. God is a moving God, and you can no longer stay still. I said it before, and listen to me again. Listen to me if you're not. You cannot stay still and be in God's will. You have to move to remain in God's will. You can't find a place of comfort and then sit there. That's not how God works. God is on a path, and basically he's walking and he's moving, and if you don't keep up with him, you're going to get left behind. You can't say, oh, I found God here, and I'm going to stay here. I saw God over here and I'm going to hang out here. You always have to be moving constantly. More vision, more goals, more achievements, more souls, over and over and over again. I want to give you a vision. You guys ever been to some sweet hardcore shows? Some sweet concerts, right? There's this really cool thing that happens at concerts, okay? And it's when... All of the singing goes on, and a lot of times they come to this point kind of called like a bridge or an area where there's a lot of music, right? And what happens is kind of as this goes on, a lot of people just kind of stop and start staring because they're listening, and they might kind of be bobbing their head, but they're really not doing much. Everyone just kind of pauses. You see the crowd kind of get lame. And there's something that lead singers do all the time, and I've seen it in hardcore shows, is where they grab their mic, and they run to the front, and they scream at the top of their lungs, move and what happens the crowd explodes they scream move and everyone just goes crazy ballistic throwing punches kicking a circle pit forms in one area people start smashing into each other in another other people get picked up and hurled to the back of the room people start diving on stage others run around and start jumping off the stage into the crowd some people are beating up people who are beating up other people girls are getting pulled out of the way little girls are smashed underneath crowds All these security guards are running up trying to stop people from moving because it's too violent, it's too crazy. And it all started from one person screaming, move, and everybody did. That's what I want tonight to be. We're at that show, and it's nothing special about me, but I want to be that lead singer who runs out here and screams to you guys, move, and the crowd is going to erupt, and we're not going to stop We're just going to keep on going, going crazy, dancing as hard as we can, running as passionate as we can until we can't breathe anymore and accomplishing all of what God has for us. Move. Move. It's a call to action, and we have to do it. So tonight, for the rest of this year, put in your hearts that one word. That one word that's going to make all the difference. That one word, like I said last week, that's going to lead a charge for an entire year. It's going to shape an entire year's worth of ministry. Not just in this room, but around so many different places. We have people leaving from this room who are going to take move with them into different areas of this country. Who are going to live that way for this next year. Begin tonight. Start tonight. I want to pray with you guys, and then we're going to do some more. Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Jesus Christ, for the fact that you are not a lame, stationary God, but instead you are a God of movement, a God of vision, a God of forward, that you are not satisfied with staying still. Lord, that you have proven over and over again that you hate stillness. You hate it, but you always want movement. You always want us moving forward. So I pray to you, God, tonight you would put that word moved. I pray to you right now, God, that we would open up our chest and that you would just take, Lord, you would just take a hot iron and you would burn that word into our hearts. That through this next year, every single time when that situation comes, when we're supposed to tell someone about Christ, when we're supposed to do something, when we're supposed to purify an area of our life, when we're supposed to take a step in the direction that you have given us, that that little bit of doubt will come into our minds, but immediately right there will come move. The fact that we cannot stay still. So I pray to you, God, that you would just burn that into us. I pray to you, God, this year would be an amazing year of outpouring. Lord, I will not be satisfied with another year, Lord God, unless it is a year of movement in you that I want your spirit in each and every one of us, that I want to see countless numbers of people coming in and out of this ministry, Lord God, realizing the fact that you are an active, you are a progressive God, Lord God, who's taking us in new direction, not just okay with the same old, same old, the same junk that's been just propelled over and over again, but Lord, you're doing something completely different, completely new. I thank you, Jesus Christ, and I can't wait for what 2008 has because I know as a group of people will move and will follow your will that you are just going to explode, Lord God, just like that crowd. That just action is going to erupt everywhere. People who weren't even ready to move are going to be pulled into the fray, Lord God. And I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it, Christ, because you are such an awesome God. I thank you, Lord, for 2008. And Lord, right now, right now, I thank you for all the amazing things that are going to happen. Because I know, as we put our hearts against yours, that you are going to pour out and you are going to show us amazing things. So I thank you, God, right now in advance for all the things that I'm going to see this next year. I thank you, Lord God, for the miracles that you're going to let me see, for the changed lives you're going to let me see, for the sacrifice that you're going to let me see in hearts. I thank you, God, that I can be even a small part, a small part of what your ministry is. So I thank you, Jesus Christ, and I pray that you would just pour that out in our spirits, Lord God. Deep down in our hearts, move. It is in your precious name that I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. I have some application for you guys. We have a few more minutes. Because <clears throat> I don't like just talking. I like giving you stuff. All right, here's the deal. I have two quick, two quick little fill-outs for you guys. Everyone needs a pen? It's really, really easy. First one. Steadfast College Ministries, how do I move in ministry? This is just simply, what does Steadfast do, and where can you be helpful? Okay? You need to start doing ministry. Here are just a few things, and it has, you can write a few things. What are your interests? What are you good at? And then you need to rank different things that you might be interested in. And I want you guys to fill this out honestly. Fill it out so that we understand, so that I can ask you guys, maybe you really need to start doing ministry in this area. You guys have to start doing that to move. So I want... Tiffany, why don't you hand it out to people there? Fill these out, and these I want back. Okay, These, when you get done with them, I need your name on the top corner. Everyone put a name on it. Don't forget to put a name on it. Bring it up here and lay it here at the altar. I want to look through those. This one here, this is a personal one. This one I don't need back. You don't have to put your name on it. This one's for you to take home. This one here is Steadfast College Ministries, how do I move, and this is all about personal. Here's the deal. These are the different points that I gave you in the message. How do how do I need to move in personal devotion? How do I need to move in ministry service? How do I need to move in witnessing opportunities? And how do I need to move in God's plan? And questions underneath of each one of those. Things that I want you to fill out honestly. What I want you guys to do is take this home and put it in your desk, put it on your mirror somewhere where you can actually see it. And what I want you guys to do is this to be a reminder. That when you look at it, you're going to look and say, How do I need to move in personal devotion? I need to read my Bible. How much time do I spend each day reading the Bible? I only spend five minutes right now. And you write that down and that you're going to look at that and say, I need to move in personal devotion and I need to make God's word a priority. So I want you to fill this out honestly. This one, you take home. Personal, you take home. Ministry comes back up here, okay? Okay. All right. You guys do that. And when you guys finish filling out the ministry one, you can set it up here. The other one, um, you can work on. You don't have to finish it here. I'd like if you finished it here because here's the deal. I know the fact that you will put it in your Bibles, forget about it, and not do it. Do it here and finish it and take it home. When you get done, you guys can do whatever you want. Go ahead and mix up. Um, so you guys are officially dismissed for the night, whatever. Hey, bring friends. Bring friends next week. Every single one of us could bring a person next week. All of us have people we could bring to haha and have them come and just have a good time. Okay? Bring people. Invite people unabashed. Everybody waits for you now. What happens next? What happens next? How dare you?